0: You've tuned in to the Cat Show podcast, where we're making the world a better place for cats. Hosted by the cat mama herself, Melissa Newman. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Cat Show. Today we're doing a brief profile on the Maine Coon cat. Before I get started though, I want to give a shout out to Cat Pad Enclosures and Oz Pet Litter for keeping the lights on at the Cat Pad and food in the cat bowls. I'm so grateful to have the support of such excellent Aussie companies. Maine Coon cats are becoming quite trendy as a pet. They're one of my favourite breeds and at some stage in my life I intend to get one they are also one of the oldest breeds and there's a lot of speculation as to how they manage to become natives to north america specifically the u.s state of maine where it is their official state cat they are fluffy have the cutest ear tufts and big fluffy tails like a feather duster they come in all sorts of colors and fur patterns and a fun fact about them is that the fur on their paws extends backwards, and this gives them a snowshoe-like function. They are the big cats of the domestic breed and very sociable. Their nickname of the gentle giant describes them perfectly. In this episode of the show, I'm talking with Kira Foster, a Maine Coon cat breeder and currently President of the United Maine Coon Fancies of Australia. So she well and truly knows what she's talking about. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. Hi and welcome, Kira Foster. I'm really pleased to have you join me today. We're going to be talking about Maine Coon cats. So welcome. Thanks, Melissa. It's great to be here. I'm really excited about having you on because at the moment um, Maine Coons are very much um, a wanted uh, breed. They're they're a bit trending at the moment Mm -hmm. and I've got to say they are probably one of my other favourite breeds. I've got... I think, well, I'm one of these people that I love all cats, but I do have a couple of favourite breeds and the Maine Coons, the ones that I've met, are just amazing. So I'm really excited today to be talking to you about um, the breed as a breed profile, but also some of the work that you and some of the other breeders are doing in Australia. So let's get started and tell me a little bit, first of all, how you actually came
1: into the world of breeding Maine Coons. Well, it is a bit of a long story, but uh, hopefully in a nutshell. um, I have always loved cats. My mum uh, was cat mad. She worked in rescue. um, And she also had a little Siamese kitten that she purchased and showed and had a litter from. Um, So, yeah, cats very much from my childhood. Um, When I became married... I wanted, you know, like a lot of young married people, we wanted to buy a baby, you know, to um, spoil <laughs> something. A practice <laughs> baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we, you know, I'd brought my existing cat into our relationship and he was a lovely, fluffy tabby. And I used to think he looked like a Maine Coon, but I, I understood that Maine Coons were not in Australia at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just happened to be in a newsagent's one day with my my mum and looking at an Australian cat magazine, and there was a whole article on Maine Coons, and yes, they were in Australia, and I was so excited that I just about like started looking for a cat show because I just wanted to see a Maine Coon.
0: Yeah,
1: and um. So found a cat show, really like same suburb that I lived in, which was amazing, walked into the entrance and right in front of me was the most magnificent Maine Coon um, and I was a goner from then. Um, <laughs> so how long ago was that, see, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> let's see, this would have been uh, late 2001. Yeah. Um, I had no intention of breeding. I just want, you know, this was going to be the baby. Yeah. So, um, I put my order in with the breeder who owned this amazing cat. And, you know, in those days, Maine Coon breeders, there was only a few of them in the country. So we waited nine months for a kitten to be born. The perfect Um, amount of time for a baby. Yes. yes, No. Um, And we, you know, I really fostered a relationship with that breeder. And I went to all the cat shows and I became that breeder's sort of helper with packing up and, and that after shows. And so I thought, well, actually, I want this kitten to be a show kitten. So... Um, You know, when Oliver arrived in our family, he was beautifully bred. He was a wonderful show cat. And you'll hear it all the time, you know, like you just can't stop at one. Yeah. So um, and because my mother had bred when I was a child um, with the Siamese, I thought I would like to breed. And that's how the journey started. So that was around 2002. Cool. Uh, and I think my first litter was probably born um, 2003,
0: 2004. Nice. So, yeah, so that's how it started. That's awesome. And I know the cats that um, I've had the uh, pleasure of getting to know in South Australia tend to be, well, I mean, first of all, we've got to point out that the main teens are the largest cats <laughs> yes. you can possibly get. And some of the males are monsters, like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they are big, big cats. They are a very, very big cat. Um, however, you know, I do have to sort of let people know that it's really important to make the distinguishment between size and weight. Yes. So, you know, like most Maine Coon lovers and breeders, we belong to lots of Facebook groups that yeah. are Maine Coons and. You know, you see it all the time. How much does your mancoon weigh? And, how, and, you know, I just shake my head because it might be a very heavy overweight cat, not necessarily a large framed yep. cat. Um, and in saying that
0: too, like some of the females that I've been lucky enough to get to know and photograph some of their litters and things like that, they're larger than your average tabby cat, but they're not massive, massive cats. Yes. So you kind of have, you know, that that um, a little bit larger than normal, right up mm. to the quite large. Yes. Okay.
1: There is quite a variation in size amongst yeah. breed, um, just as there is in humans, you know. <laughs> we yeah. have yeah. humans and very tall humans. Yep. Um, so it is a bit the same with the Maine Coon, but in general, All Maine Coons, male or female, will be larger than your normal domestic cat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And they come in all sorts of different colours, don't they? Like mm. there's no specific um, colour, breed colour that you're breeding a specific colour to. Like, for instance, Abyssinians, I always talk about Abbeys because I've got them. But with the Abyssinians, they've always got like the tawny is kind of like their colour because of the ticking. Whereas Maine Coons don't have that, do they? They come in quite a variety
1: they come in because they're a naturally occurring breed um they come in any color that a normal domestic cat would come in um and so virtually anything's allowable except for those colors that are or patterns that are really noted with a purebred fancy cat yeah such as you know we can't have points so we can't have a Maine Coon that looks like a Berman or a pointed yep. ragdoll. Yeah. You can't have chocolate or cinnamon, you know. Yep. Where, you know, Abby's come in cinnamon. They do. But like, there's, there are some rules and, you know, because they are supposed to be a natural breed that hasn't had a lot of man interference mucking yep. around with them um, over the years. So, And they do actually come from Maine in America, don't they? Well, that's, um, you know, generally the belief. They, yeah. um, they originated as barn cats in the state of Maine in America. Um, so very humble beginnings. And, you know, Maine is an extremely, you know, has extremes of temperature. It gets incredibly cold. And when you look at the Maine Coon, especially a Maine Coon in winter, you can just see how perfectly developed they yes. are for an extremely cold climate, you know, with the amazing tufting between their paws that help them navigate snow and um, some of their funny little quirky habits, um, such as, you know, scratching around water and things like that, that, that all seems to have come from the way they've developed in that very cold climate. And talking about traits, who
0: would, like, obviously all cat breeds have different types of traits. What sort of cat are they? Like, who would be the best owner of a, a Maine Coon?
1: Well, look, temperament-wise, Maine Coons, you know, are well-known to be very gentle and easygoing laid-back cats. However, you know, I think everyone needs to, whether they're getting any kind of animal for a companion pet, they really need to look at their own lifestyle and then look at the requirements of the breed. You know, we know Maine Coons are a semi-long hair, so that does mean there's going to be some grooming involved. Uh, They're not as um, high maintenance as, say, a Persian, but their coat will mat if it's left... To its own devices and you'll get hairballs and other things that can actually be quite quite dangerous to the health of the cat um, they're they're quirky um, so one of the things i mentioned is the way they love scratching around water well it's more than that most mancoons will actually pour at their water bowls yeah um, so if you ask, you know perhaps somebody that is prone to, you know, some um, health issues that might cause you to trip or fall. Slippery water areas, because your main Coon has emptied its water bowl out, um, is something you need to consider. Um, so, and plus, it, you know, it can be a bit tiring. You know, you fill up a water bowl and before you know it, it's all over the floor um, and you've got to mop the floor and rinse the <laughs> water bowl and, oh, it's empty again. So um, some mancoons are not as, as bad as that, but yeah. there are some definite ones that are just phenomenal in the water skill yeah. It's a
0: quick thing to them. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, they look. They're an intelligent cat, so they are quite trainable, which can be fun. Um, a lot. Of Does that mean that you need to make sure they've got plenty of enrichment to keep them
0: entertained as well, because so they don't get bored?
1: Yes. Look, they're not as, as um they're quite good at entertaining themselves mm-hmm. without needing lots of interaction, but they certainly thrive on that you know, sort of one-to-one encouragement with their, with their humans. Um, I think, though, the fact is that they're thinkers. So, yeah. you know, you, you have to be very careful about keeping them secure because they will figure out how to open doors. Yeah, They will, not all, but, you know, like they love to dart through doorways which can be quite scary when your beautiful mancoon that is worth a lot of money takes off out of the front door when you've just yep. opened it carrying in the shopping. Yeah. Um, do you, many of them get harness trained? They're, they're quite good with harnesses. Yes. Yep. Um, we have harness trained a couple of hours. I mean, it's always going to be with the cat that the cat yep. walks you, not you walk the yes,
0: cat. Yes, exactly.
1: Um, I have heard of people that have actually taken their cats on harnesses sort of for proper walks, whereas ours... Adventure-style cats,
0: cats. yeah.
1: But, um, you know, they're certainly able to do that sort of thing. Yeah. But, you know, it's not that common.
0: And being that they're a large cat, I suppose, um, like with beds and stuff like that, do you need special sizes of cat things like you mentioned water bowls. do you need larger water bowls because they're larger cats or are they happy to squeeze into a box like most cats are
1: they're a cat melissa <laughs> the smaller the box the better
0: <laughs> oh cats are funny aren't they
1: <laughs> oh they are you know to see some of these huge things squeeze themselves into tiny boxes um but no generally their size is um You know, maybe it's just I'm so used to them now, but we've never had to make any major adjustments based around their size. Um, Yes, look, a good heavy water bowl is a good idea. Um, Lots of people have success with water fountains. I've tried that and mine just dug water (laughs) fountain out everywhere. Um, But others have success. I mean, every cat's different, but in general, the size is not something that you have to adjust too much for
0: yeah are they affectionate or are they like are they a lap cat or are they do they like to have a little bit more of their own space and be a bit more independent
1: well, you've got a generalization that they're yeah. um, more of a companionable cat than a lap cat um, so I wouldn't be looking at buying a mancoon based on wanting a lap cat having said that every night in our house we have at least four sprawled across my husband's and my lap. So, again, it's an individual cat thing. Yeah. But I would just recommend, you know, don't have your heart set on having a cuddle buddy um, for a Maine Coon, you know. Just, you know, accept your your baby as it is going to be. Um, But, yeah, you know, they certainly can be lap cats.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because, I mean, cats, all cats, uh, pedigree cats have particular traits, but Mm -hmm. it's interesting how not all pedigree cats stick to the traits. Exactly. (laughs) There's always that that odd one here and there that's going to behave slightly differently to the rest of them. Yeah. Although the majority of the time they, they tend to, you know, have particular traits and that sort of thing. Um, Now one of the things that I'm really impressed with the Maine Coon community here in Australia is the fact that you guys are actually getting together and working together for the betterment of the breed and I know that you're about to bring out a website for the United Maine Coon Fanciers of Australia or the UMCFA. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you guys are actually doing um, and how coming together like this is going to improve the breed what are some of the problems that the
1: main coons have that the breeders are actually addressing? Sure, Amfka, um, as we we shorten it to, um, is actually we are re-establishing um, the United Maine Coon Fancies of Australia. It was first established in two thousand and one by those early breeders, and they just set an amazing foundation. Um, with the first main Coons in in the country. They were passionate about testing for the two main health issues that are associated with the breed. And that's um, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy or HCM, uh, which is a heart disease, and also hip dysplasia, which is where the the ball of the hip joint doesn't fit well into the, the socket. Um so they were very, very um diligent with um getting their cats' hearts ultrasounded, mm-hmm. um their breeding cats that is, and also their hips x-rayed. Yep. Um so the breed had got a really good start here in Australia. Over the years, as those older breeders, you know, moved on and retired, um we most of us kept up our heart echocardiograms and also added our DNA testing because the DNA test had yep. been developed. You know, we love genetic DNA testing, oh, isn't it? It's um, made
0: life so much easier to be able to just get a test and double check that you know they carry something or they don't carry something
1: so much better. Um, but you know, admittedly, we fell down on the hips because we were all thinking, well, it's not a fatal issue um, and, you know, we can, you know, if we'd all know if a cat had hip problems. So, you know, in recent times um, we've come to realise that, you know, that was not such a great idea, neglecting neglecting the hips, because there's been an enormous number of imports into the country in the last 10 or so years, which is yeah. Fantastic for genetic diversity, but um, we did start having some hip issues. And when we started x raying these cats, um, you know, we found even cats that looked, you know, wo- moved really well, had no obvious signs that the x rays were telling us a different story. Yeah. So, a group of us that remembered the old Umfka decided, hey, we really need to pull together. Um, we, we sent notes a note off to all the old breeders and said, "Hey, we'd really like to restart this. Would we have your permission?" And they were very gracious. Um, so you know, all this year we've been working really hard on um, trying to, to reestablish Umfka. Um, and set out exactly what our our mission and our vision for the Maine Coon breed in this country is and for the breeders that are the caretakers of the breed. So, you know, obviously um, DNA testing, echocardiograms for our hearts and now hip x-rays plus scoring. And we're so excited that we've got... um, Dr. Jennifer Richardson in WA, who is um, a highly, highly trained, qualified radiographer, has agreed to work with us and oh, cool. establish a Maine Coon hip scoring scheme. Fantastic. Um, you know, she's been fantastic in, in helping us set this up. She does like all the dogs and all that yeah. sort
0: of thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But the thing is, cats are very different from dogs. Yes. Yes. So to, to have the, you know, this wonderful person who is going to dedicate herself to learning herself about a Maine Coon cat in, in the sense of, you know, how do we actually develop this so we get accurate readings for a cat? Yep. Um, and Maine Coons in in particular. Mm. So um, that is something we're super excited to be rolling out and we're very, very close to launching. Um, The website is built and and very quietly live, although we're not publicising that quite yet. Um, And, you know, we're hoping very soon to take members, um, which can be breeders or pet owners who just happen to, love their main Coons and, and want to support the breed, you know, in sort of a bigger, bigger picture. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're heading. But our, our main emphasis is just encouraging and supporting breeders to learn about health issues and to do the appropriate testing and um, just support where we can.
0: And I suppose, too, that's also going to mean that you're going to be able to network better between each other and um, work out, you know, what lines um, you can use that, and mm. keep that diversity in Australia. Because I suppose one of the biggest <clears throat> problems in Australia with cat breeding in general is that trying to keep that nice genetic diversity and a, it can mm. be a bit of a, a challenge. Because cats, although a lot of people seem to think, you know, cat breeding and dog breeding is very similar, there's a lot of differences And, I mean, obviously, the hip dysplasia in the large animals has got a similarity, but like you said, x-raying a cat and looking for the cat dysplasia is very different to that of a dog. Um, And, I mean, dogs, you can actually get um, frozen semen sent across to be able to breed (laughs) with them. You just cannot do that with a cat. And for the reasons of that, that will have to be another podcast at some stage to explain (laughs) the sex
1: life of cats. (laughs) So it's different. To life life. Right now. <laughs> well, I can say if there are dog people listening here, um, they are completely different species in the sex yep. department. Absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it uh, let's just say it's way more complicated and mm-hmm. dog breeders have it easier in 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 that Yes, being able to bring that
0: genetic diversity in with the dog breeding is definitely a completely different story. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's really um, heartening, though, to see that, um, that breeders can actually come together um, for the betterment of the breed and make sure that mm-hmm. the animals that um, responsible breeders are breeding are um, mm-hmm. good, solid, healthy animals which are going to take that breed much more into the future. It's going to be wonderful. Yeah. now one of the things that I love about um the main Coons is particularly in winter their tails like they look like massive big feather dusters and their little ear tufts at the top of their ears they've got those little ear tufts What? Um, um, <laughs> oh, cool sorry links tips links tips actually yeah, that makes sense um mm-hmm. and their little muzzles like they've got this little box muzzle that kind of They're just the most amazing looking, just to look at them, um, sort of animals. Do you find that people sometimes go for the look and size of them instead of really investigating what their traits and and what the breed's all about?
1: Yes, it's definitely um, probably what we as breeders would say is one of the, the bigger issues. And look, I really need to say this isn't just with pet owners. This is with breeders as well. Um, You know, new breeders that are just full of enthusiasm, just like a pet owner, will will often just fall in love with the look of the breed, without doing without you know just educating themselves about you know the 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 quirkiness of the breed, the health issues of the breed. general day-to-day life with, you know, um, a Maine Coon, which, you know, I think is wonderful, but it's certainly, you know, there's a lot of fur, for example. Um, but you know, I looks just aren't everything. The, the number one thing that I would really strongly encourage everyone to do is to be patient we know you want to, a kitten now we know that you want a to start breeding as soon as possible but please take your time health must come first Definitely. must come second yeah looks must come last yeah um, and color should come behind <laughs> that yeah <laughs> um, because everyone, you know, it, like, it happens. And everything, but there's certain trendy colors, and yes. that goes through a cycle. Yeah. Um. But you know, it's just the paint job. Yeah. It, it's the um the the little individual life under that color that is what you really really are looking for, and yeah. you want that little life to be healthy, to have come from parents with a great health history, and you want it to have a beautiful temperament um that will make it that wonderful lifelong companion so um yeah i I I
0: suppose in today's world too it's kind of unfortunate but um the pedigree cats tend to be better supervised for want of a better word then um, then the domestics, and they'll often have their own runs and they'll be contained to their own properties. Mm -hmm. And I know every single breeder that I know that's a responsible cat breeder won't even allow their cats to go into a home unless they are an indoor only Mm -hmm. or have an outdoor run Mm -hmm. uh, that they can can use. Um, And I think that's something that, that, and it's horrible that we've got to put a price on an animal's life but it seems to be that the more expensive the animal, the more likely you are to keep it at home.
1: Yes. I mean, I think that's human nature. You know, if you put a significant amount of money into something, it is going to hold more value. Yeah. Um, but, you know, talking talking as a breeder, um, the prices of, of uh, a main Coon kitten... Um, there's a lot of costs that go into making that kitten, believe you me. Oh, yes. Um, just a, another thing I did want to say about, you know, if you're looking for a kitten is to, a breeder should have some paperwork, um, not only a pedigree, obviously, but um, a kitten contract that outlines what you can expect from that breeder moving forwards and what that breeder would expect from you. And one of those things for me would be that the kitten is not allowed to roam outdoors. Um, But, you know, that contract should cover what happens if your kitten gets sick. Um, What happens if this, you know, scenario happens, if there's genetic issues that crop up. So, you know, Again, be patient, find the right breeder. Just don't go for the first kitten that someone will yep. sell you. And whether that's a breeding kitten or a pet kitten. Yep. Yeah.
0: Um, we did a, a um, interview with Maggie right a few or a couple of months back now about yep. scams. And I know Maine coons are actually one of the biggest scams. And I know you mentioned pedigree. And one of the favourite things that they like to put in their adverts is no pedigree papers, pets only. And that's often a big Sign that big flashing sign saying "Oh, this is not right," because you should be able to follow the pedigree of your pet or breeding yeah. animal yeah. right back to you know four or five generations at least.
1: Yes, true. However, because um, I I watched that, uh, you know, that was a wonderful um, interview with Margie. Um, however, it it's worth noting that not every registering registering body in Australia requires that a breeder sells a kitten with a pedigree Wow okay I know, I know in South Australia that that yeah. is you know and you're based in South Australia as is Margie but you know in Victoria um, you know if the association I belong to we don't have to issue a pedigree Um so that makes it a bit tricky. It does. Uh, but yeah. every kitten owner should be able to request a pedigree.
0: Yes.
1: all it means, There you go, a request yeah. it. Because all it means is the breeder then just has to shell out a little bit extra money to get the pedigree. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, just so <laughs> <laughs> <two> beautifully <laughs> <ancient> made <mountains. laughs> Um. So, yeah, I mean, I would, that's why I recommend always ask for a pedigree. Um, if it's not offered, doesn't necessarily mean that it's an unethical breeder, but they should always be able to supply you a pedigree. Yeah. But,
0: and at the very minimum, they should be able to supply the pedigree of the um, breeding pair. Yes. Um the breeders, the breeders well, I'm assuming that breeders have to, if you're going to send a breeding female or male off it, they would then have a pedigree paper? Of course, yes. Yep.
1: Any yep. breeding cat should should have a pedigree, just automatically go with it. um but and with, um, you mentioned kitten contracts
0: as well, and I know that's something that um, I've sort of spoken about in other things as well, but um, I know one of the clauses that the majority of um, responsible breeders have is that if for any reason um, you're unable to continue looking after the cat, that that cat is returned to you so that you can rehome it or whatever. Um, and I've seen so many people who have had... For, you know, life things come up, you know, they've had to move back to a different country to look after an elderly parent or, um, you know, whatever, Uh, that, you know, have decided that it's not in the best interest of the animal to relocate them. Um, Mm -hmm. That's obviously something that you would be putting in your Mm. contracts.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know of any breeder who... I would consider ethical who does not have that as part of their kitten contract. Yeah, that um, if life circumstances change, that and the kitten or cat, as it may well be, um, can't stay with them. That it comes back to the breeder. Yeah, um, I always take it that um, kittens, my kittens, are brought into this world by my choice. Yeah I am the one that has put the two cats together to produce a litter of kittens and so therefore I I really do have an ongoing responsibility for every kitten that I breed yeah um so that means if they need to come home because their their human mum and dad have got something going on in their their world then that kitten is welcome to come back to me
0: yeah and that's um, that's exactly what any good responsible breeder of any breed really should be
1: doing yes absolutely yeah Mm.
0: well is there anything that you think that we've not covered with the Maine Coons or with the the um, new group
1: um look I just I, I just would encourage people that um that yes United Maine Coon fancies Australia we do have a Facebook page that's been going for quite some time now and and you know we've got some a lot of followers which is fantastic Um, please keep an eye out because we are going to be launching properly soon Um, we will be hoping to really grow our membership um, especially with breeders um, because we want to help resource them um, with this fantastic new you know uh, partnership with Dr Richardson Um, we've got between sort of the working group that's putting together we've got decades of breeding experience um and we really want to see especially new breeders get off on a good footing um we can give advice to help so many pitfalls and and you know and be there to hold hands when things go wrong and there to cheer when great stuff happens and you know for pet owners we're going to continue on our Facebook page, you know, with our educational posts, um, our fun posts and, you know, if you, if you want to be a member, we will absolutely love um, having your support. Excellent.
0: Thanks, Kira, so much for your wonderful interview. It's always great to talk to such knowledgeable people. Feel free to email me at meow at melissaneuman.com.au if you have any questions or comments about the show help me keep cat food on the table and lights on at the cat pad by sharing my content and buying my merchandise you can find all my social media links and ways you can help this independent artist over at melissanewman.com.au the next episode is the last one for 2020 and hasn't it been a crazy year i thought we would finish it off with a show all about what to do if your cat goes missing Look forward to having you join me then.